Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy, and you are listening to Friday's podcast of the Recovery Guy podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm not sure if you are getting here through uh, recoveryguy.org, if you are coming through your favorite podcast channel. Um, I'm just glad that you're here. I hope that uh, the content you receive today will elevate and excite and energize you to the point that you would even share uh, what you've got going. Uh, You never know how your sharing affects other people. I won't uh, bog you down with stories that I hear today. Uh, Trust me when I tell you we have no idea who is going to need our message in their darkest hour. And it really doesn't matter if it's my message or another message of hope, another message of wellness, another message of recovery, another assertion that the person can go from the despair that they find themselves in to a change of life that will prolong their life. And not just prolong it so that they continue to exist in a state of dissatisfaction, but they can find a way of living that elevates them to a point where they want to share their energy and their excitement because they cannot believe the transformation that has occurred in them like it has in you and me. Isn't that fabulous? Isn't that wonderful? I'm so excited. This is the sixth podcast of 2021, and we are on a roll, baby. We are so excited about what's going on. Jonathan Barker is revigorated and um, reinvested in what we're doing. We're getting ready to launch um, our new YouTube channel. Uh, Jay Roberts and I, a few years ago, Jeffrey Redden started with me on The Recovery Guy when we moved from Becoming Well Now to The Recovery Guy. And then uh, Jeffrey and I did some videos together. Then Jay Roberts came in and flew out from Philly. And we spent like three days of just putting content together. And then and then Jay went back to Philadelphia uh, and Jersey and, and started uh, producing and sending content out. And now we've got like 34 videos of the 12 steps of recovery and other topical things. And we're going to start launching them onto YouTube. Super excited about the things we're doing in 2021. Uh, my friend Alan and I think his wife, Connie, not 
I think his wife, Connie, I know his wife is Connie, but I think he um, and Connie um, may be doing some merchandise uh, with us this year as part of Recovery Guy Apparel. So we're going to be growing there. Super excited about what's going on with everything that we're doing. Your response has been tremendous. Um, I've got a new focus group through Instagram. And these are people, about 12, 13 different people who I'm accountable to, who give me feedback. Uh, Susie DMD. If you don't follow this girl, you got to follow Susie on Instagram at Susie DMD. She's a, uh, a doctor, uh, a, a, a fully licensed dentist with some practices in Florida. So at Susie DMD, incredible Al-Anon influence and support and insight and wisdom. Susie, if you don't already know, she is doing uh, the Wednesday podcast or a blog, Wednesday blog every other week. And Susie and I met a few years ago when um, she asked me to um, uh, try to assist in the life of one of her family members. And that did not go as either of us would have wanted. This person is still out there uh, practicing their disease. However, Susie and I became super friends to the degree that um, uh, in in a couple vacations out to Florida over the last few years, Laura and I have actually met Susie and we sat and we've had coffee and we've enjoyed each other's fellowship and what an incredible person she is. So every other Wednesday, so next Wednesday, uh, I think that would be like the uh, the 19th, January 19th, uh, there's going to be another uh, blog by Susie. So start looking for that every other Wednesday. So a lot of exciting things are going on re- with Recovery Guy. Uh, I am in my 35th year of personal recovery. So three and a half decades. Can you believe that? Three and a half decades ago, I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous as scared and as concerned and as frightful as anyone who walks into any type of hope. I went into treatment, was scared to death, didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I couldn't do what I was doing, right? So that was in February of 1986. I relapsed after 71 days. April 25th of 1986, I came back to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And 12,682 days later, I'm still here. Isn't that wild? That's just crazy. Lifelong recovery. And, 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 and that's why it's a design for living. We what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual conditioning, as it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. But this is a design for living one day at a time for the rest of our life, right? So if I just continue to do these things, why can't I stay clean and sober for the rest of my life? It doesn't say I can't. It just says I need to count on today and then have a have all those days had together. I know it's possible because I know men and women who have died with 40, 50 years in personal recovery. My sponsor, Jack, passed away of cancer uh, two years ago with 44 years of personal recovery. It happens. His sponsor passed away with 
55 years of personal recovery. Uh, my sponsor, Will, um, who I've known all along, he was friends with Jack as well in Las Vegas. And Will was the guy who let me sleep on his couch until he told me it was actually a convertible sofa. That's another funny story along the way. Um, but Will just on January 1st celebrated 41 years of recovery. I have friends who, who have been clean and sober for over four decades. And so this can be done. So when I talk to you, or I talk to Wendy, or I talk to Angie, or Tess, or Chaz, or any of the others, Blaze, you name it, Hayes, um, Scotty B, Debbie, Alan, you name it, all the people who I am encouraged to be a part of their life, um, I can tell them, keep doing what you're doing, and you'll continue to get what you've gotten, right? And that is what we are here for. You know, things can change in a moment. We never really know uh, what's going to happen. We never really know what's going to um, befail us. We never really know what the what, what the other day will hold. Uh, it's so important to live every day. You know, I was just thinking about this. Is, this is going to sound a little morbid, but the bottom line is love who you love. Hug who you need to hug. Tell whoever you need to tell how much you care about them. The other day, I was just thinking about Laura and, and what she means to me and the importance. We've been together over 32 years now. Uh, it's so funny. We, we had posted uh, something. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, recovery underscore guy, you'll see a couple pictures of Laura and me. Uh, my birthday was January 3rd. Uh, Laura had to work on on uh, Monday, we had the kids over on Sunday, so we really couldn't go out until this uh, Monday, the 11th, right? So she she treated me to a, we went to a couple's massage, and that was pretty fabulous. And then later that um, that evening, we went to an early dinner at the Charleston and Draper, uh, south of Salt Lake. Incredible gourmet formal dining, you know, dress up the jacket. Laura's killing it in her new dress. And then we went out to uh, a stage production of The Importance of Being Earnest. So just a fabulous night together. And so you see pictures of Laura and me everywhere. I love to show her off. I always look better with her. Anyway, um, so, someone said, you know, that's really great that you're doing this and that. And, and I said, you know, I've been dating Laura for 32 years. And and we've been married over 31 of those years. So a little relationship counseling to you guys out there. Date your wife. Date your significant other. If you are involved in a committed relationship, regardless of what that relationship looks like, date who you love. And as long as you're dating, you're going to be just fine. You know, I don't get in the doghouse. Matter of fact, we don't even have a doghouse. And do you know why? Because I date my wife, right? We, we've never been big on Valentine's Day and everything like that. I don't need a reason or a date to get Laura a card or flowers. I get Laura flowers on a regular basis. That's what I do, right? So I don't have to get her flowers to, to make up for a disagreement or an argument because they don't mean anything if you don't do it when you're not in an argument, right? So again, relationship counseling 101, no extra charge. I told you this to just let you know how much I mean to her and she means to me and the importance of saying I love you because you never know, you never know when this will be your last opportunity. I remember 
and here's the morbid part. I remember back in the in the mid 70s and I was I was still, you know, my addiction was really getting strong. So why I remember this, I don't know. It impacted me so much. It didn't impact me enough to change, but impacted me enough to remember this story and even recall it from last week and then share it with you tonight. There was um there was this Honda. Remember Honda Civics back in the 70s? They were really small. Like you think they're small now. They were really super small back then. And how five teenagers ever fit in this Honda Accord or Civic rather, I have no idea. But what I know is they when I when I came upon this accident, sadly, all five teenagers were dead. It was tragic what I what I witnessed and came upon. I didn't see them die. I saw them dead. And out of the back of this Honda Civic was roller skates and bags and things like that. They down the street in Covina, California on Arrow Highway, there was this roller rink and I forget the name of it. Um, but there was a roller skating rink there in California, in Covina, California, on Arrow Highway. And they had just come. They were they were on, um, it wasn't Covina Boulevard. I think it was like Grand or something like that. And anyway, um, so they were coming from the roller rink and I guess on their way home and they never made it home. And all I could think of was them telling their mom and dad, I'll see you later. We're going skating. But you know what? There was no seeing later because before they got home, they died. And I don't tell you that to bum you out. I, I tell you that because share your love. Share your love. Is there someone important in your life that you need to tell how much you care for them and to embrace them. Nowadays with with social media and FaceTime and other and other apps and Instagram and Snapchat and everything that we have out there, we can get in front of the people we love and to share with them and to tell them how much they mean to us. And for those who, who are in our physical proximity, we can hug them. I'm so excited that my kids come over who, who live in the area. I get to hug them. I get to be with my grandchildren. I get to go visit Kathleen and Carol in Las Vegas and Frankie will come and visit and, and, and I'll see the kids and the grandkids and hug them. And, and, um, what an important thing that is. So hug who you love. Don't let a moment go by because we don't know when we won't have another moment. Having said that, as we sow, so shall we reap. That is a biblical proverb principle that is an unmistakable truth of life. It's like, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As we sow, so shall we reap. You know, I was telling Laura the other day, 
in terms of judgment. And, and it's just one of those things. I, I want to be very careful when I, when I judge someone. I have to be very careful because that word judgment um, means to, uh, to judge someone means to pronounce judgment. It just doesn't mean to have an opinion, a like or dislike. It means you're actually judging them. You're condemning them. And so I want to be very careful in my perspective or my view of others that I'm not judging because the Bible says that in whatever manner I judge or I don't forgive, I shall be judged. And if I'm judging people harshly, I will be judged harshly and I want to be judged with mercy. Therefore, I need to demonstrate mercy in my life. So if I sow discord, it should not surprise me that discord will be part of my life. If I sow sadness, how can I expect happiness? As we sow, so shall we reap. If I wonder why I'm not receiving, why I'm not reaping, receiving, because I'm not sowing, giving. Does that make sense? You show me any person who says they don't get, and I'll show you a person who doesn't give in all likelihood. Now, again, there may be an exception, but the rule is, if you give, you receive. It's a universal, it's a law of the universe. Karma. We reap what we sow. It's an inescapable troop of life. So do I pay more attention to what I reap? No. I need to pay more attention to what I sow. Because in my sowing, so goes my reaping. It's that garbage in, garbage out. If I, and, and this is conversely how I used to live, I used to put forth negativity all the time in my addiction. When I was out there ripping and running, only caring about myself, only thinking that it was only about making my feel good feel good. And yet I was wondering why my life and my world was collapsing around me. Well, why was it? Because I was doing everything contrary to everything I said I wanted. I wanted a happy home. And yet I wasn't there. I wanted a responsive and, and, and loving and caring wife. And yet what I was giving or doing to Sue wasn't feeding in to her desire to be that. Now, don't get me wrong. Even with all that, Sue was an incredible wife. I, I'm surprised she put up with me as long as she did. But yet in the meantime, I was, I was expecting something of her that I wasn't setting up to get. We reap what we sow. As we sow, so shall we reap. So if, if you're getting, whether it's in your addictive or your recovered life, 
If you're getting something that you don't like or appreciate or think you deserve, don't look at that. Look at what you're sowing. And I can almost guarantee you, no, I can guarantee you, there's a connection between what you're getting and what you're doing. If you're getting something negative, the likelihood what you're doing is contributing to that negativity. And this is a foundational to component to any recovery. I believe baked into the cake of what we do is what we receive. I, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Do you? Again, as we sow, so shall we reap. When we are in our addictive state, we don't even stop to see the connection because selfishness and self-centeredness, as it says in the big book, we believe this is the root of all of our problems. So I'm not going to see the connection because all I can see is me. If I look outward, it's only to see what you're doing wrong. I'm not looking at how I'm contributing to what you're doing. Almost every, no, <laughs> dial it back. Every, and again, if there's an exception out there, I don't even worry about it because there's always going to be an exception, right? If, if someone has a positive view of me, I guarantee you it's because I'm investing positively into their response. If someone views me negatively, I guarantee you I train them to view me negatively. And again, when we, be, when we enter into recovery, we begin to see the connection between our actions and the results we were receiving. We learned that in order to change the result, we needed to change what we did. My input determines my output. It's, it's almost like investment banking. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has a bank account, right? When you look at your account, do you have more in your account in terms of a positive balance? Do you have more in there than what you put in? Now, if it's an interest-bearing account, depending upon your amount of risk, if it's under, under an FDIC, you're probably not earning that much, especially with most banks. But even some of the more higher-yielding banks nowadays with the whole COVID thing and the FDI or the Federal Reserve keeping rates low, they're paying, what, 0.5 APR for, for, for an account. It's only when you get under that FDIC umbrella and you start risking your funds in some mutuals or NASDAQ or the Dow where your money is now at risk, do you stand a chance of earning more money? But other than that, what you put in is pretty much what you can draw off of. That's why 
we always need to be making deposits. Perfect example. One of the most revolutionary books that Laura and I ever read was His Needs, Her Needs. Again, His Needs, Her Needs. I recommend this to every couple. His Needs, Her Needs. And if you want it to be His Needs, His Needs, it'll apply as well. But His Needs, Her Needs, it's the subtitle was How to Have an Affair-Proof Marriage. And basically, drawing off the concept of the love bank, which is great theory. I've actually done some work, some podcasts and some some blogs on it. You can search my website and, and find those things. Um, but it talks about the five basic needs of each person in the relationship. Well, I can I can be very concerned with my needs and with what Laura is doing, right? Or I can be focused on what I'm doing in terms of what her five needs are. And I guarantee you, this is this has really been true. Laura and I, we had a first three years were pretty rocky. You know, they were. I, I didn't know how to be a husband. And Laura wasn't sure how to be a wife. Thank God she was committed to to staying married. I was, Laura was my third wife and I was coming, I was two and a half years sober. I, I wasn't sure what to do, you know, and, and neither did Laura because her background, her upbringing didn't um, qualify her to be a healthy wife. So we were two unhealthy people in love trying to make this thing work. Matter of fact, there was a time where Laura wrote me a letter and I, and I drained her love bank so severely, I was so overdrawn that she wrote me a letter and said, I'm not sure if I love you. Now, we had two children at the time. I was heartbroken. Thank God we had two people, uh, Glenn and Diana Moffitt, who had a wonderful marriage and they built on foundational truth and they took us in under their wing and said, hold on, you know, <laughs> Glenn's role was to help me learn how to be a sensitive husband. And Diana's job was to keep Laura from not leaving. Right? That's where we were at. And they introduced this book to us, His Needs, Her Needs, How to Have an Affair-Proof Marriage. And we started on this journey because I understood as I sowed, I was reaping. And I was more concerned with what Laura was doing or what I was receiving instead of what I was sowing. I was more concerned with what I was going to reap rather than understanding that my reaping was connected to what I was sowing. Does that make sense? So what I decided to do was focus on the kind of husband that I was. And I had these five needs. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. You got to go just Google the book. His needs, her needs. You'll find it out. So I had to focus on what I was sowing into her life. The five needs. And that was my thing. What am I doing? What am I sowing? What am I planting? 
How am I cultivating, right? The whole farm analogy, right? Because if you, if you plant, you know, it's the law of the farm, as Stephen Covey talks about, not the law of the school where you cram and you can get an A. You can't get away with that on the farm, right? I love the analogy there. It's the law of the farm and the law, the law of the harvest, right? Can't get away from the harvest. Harvest is nature. Harvest is going to be, you can't wait to plant and expect a good harvest. You have to plant when you're supposed to plant in soil that's receptive to the seed. And then you have to work that soil until the seed takes and then keep it watered, keep the nutrients in it. If you expect to have a harvest worth anything at all. So I decided, I knew that if I was going to expect a marriage, I was going to have to focus on sowing, not of reaping. And you know what? I do the same thing in recovery. To this day, 12, what was it? 12,800. Let me get back to there real quick again. Let me bring that up. Yeah, 12,682 days. I do work a program of recovery. Why? Because I want to keep reaping what I've been reaping. I don't want to go back to that guy who was stupid, boring, and glum. I insist on enjoying life. And if my expectation is reaping an incredible life, relationships with my daughter Carol, with Kathleen, with Frankie, with Jane, with Rob, with my son-in-law, John, and, and Josh, and my daughter-in-law, Phoebe, and my grandchildren. This is the life I'm reaping, an incredible marriage, a respected member in my community, a trainer at work. I'm the recovery guy working with thousands of people through my website and through coaching and everything else I get exposed to. I have so many people that I admire because I invest into my recovery. I expect a lot from my recovery. I expect a lot to reap. But I sow a lot. I understand the law of the harvest. What's down in the bucket, what comes up in the well. You can use whatever metaphor you want. As we sow, we shall reap. There is no way around it. I tried to fight it for so long and it left me alone and despair and disillusioned and almost dead. Where are you at? Where are you at in your personal recovery? Are you willing to make the investment, the sacrifices, all the things that we need to do to reap the life we say we want. Do my input, do my actions, do my contribution in life match what I say I want? If I say I want the kingdom, what am I doing to gain entrance into that kingdom? If I say that I want to be happy, joyous, and free, what am I doing to contribute that? If that's the result I'm looking for, because if it's garbage in, it's going to be garbage out. Here's a cool thing. 
and I'm going through the steps right now. Please join us on Tuesdays. Insanity, right? A form of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? Classic definition. Then sanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. Well, doesn't that make sense? If one is right, then the other is right. So if I want to continue to reap the things I'm reaping, I'm going to continue to sow the things that I'm sowing. What are you sowing? Are you happy with what you're reaping? If you are, keep sowing, man. Keep sowing, gal. Keep doing what you're doing because you're going to keep getting what you got. But if you're not happy, if something's wrong, if what you're giving doesn't match what you're getting, maybe you need to change your giving. Take your inventory. Find out where you're at in these things. And I hope you find the change that you're looking for. If you are happy with what you're getting, keep doing it. Do more of it. Elevate it. Take it to another level. Grow another arm. Find another link to it so you can grow and you can add. If you're not, though, let me know. Listen to my podcast. Message me. DM me. Reach out to other people in the recovery community. Find the people you find to be happy, joyous, and free. And find out what we are doing and then do what we do until it becomes you doing what you do. And you can own it. And you can even put your name on it because we put our name on ours. It's our version of how we match reaping with what we sow. And at the end of the day, we lay our head on our pillow and we thank God for another opportunity to have this thing called recovery. As we sow, so shall we reap. Thank you so much for joining this podcast today. Go to recoveryguy.org. Go to recovery underscore guy on Instagram. The recovery guy on Facebook. Go to patreon.com forward slash recovery guy to contribute monthly. If you want to give a one-time donation to this recovery mission, go to um, Venmo, Robert, hyphen guy, Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three, Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three at Venmo to give a one-time donation. Don't forget to tell a friend. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to keep getting well one day at a time for the rest of your life. And as always, my name is Robert and I am the recovery guy.